Hello everyone and welcome to Fathom. My name is Anizi and I'm your host. Here at Fathom, we believe that in order to lead a joy-filled and fulfilling life, one must have the courage to pursue that which they find meaningful. But how do you do that in our busy modern world where internal and external obstacles abound? Through conversations with guests who are experimenting with life and adulting relatively successfully, or courageously I should say, will bring raw and honest conversations that will hopefully add value to you, our listener. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. So today I have the pleasure of having Erica Mbanda on the show. Erica is a life coach, content creator, entrepreneur, fitness enthusiast, wife, and a mom of two. And really a walking ray of sunshine and an adult bundle of joy. <laughs> Erica radiates joy and positivity in a way that is very refreshing, and she definitely defies some unhelpful ways that we are expected to be in our London culture, and challenges us to not take ourselves too seriously and have a little fun. I mean, if you follow her on social media, I'm sure you've seen her, um, and yeah, as much as you might be very well familiar with her, I'm really looking forward to getting to know her a bit more um, and introducing other parts of her to you that I might not know. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Hi, Erica. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Anizi. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> that was an amazing introduction, thank by the way. Thank you. Thank wow. You. I need to listen and write it. That'll be my bio. <laughs> what a blessing that I get to sit with you once more to delve into who you are and your story. You know, congratulations on you know everything that has been going on in your life. You are blowing up on the socials. <laughs> you know, people are clearly enjoying what you have to offer. Um, and to start on a very light note, how are you handling your newly found fame? My newly found fame. Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, I'm doing really well. I'm very excited to be here back again. Mm -hmm. Like you said, we did have a wonderful conversation. Mm. And I will cherish that for sure. Because mm. it was just... It was it was bonding. I think we mm, even got emotional so. at times. Exactly. <laughs> it was a little sobbing. <laughs> yeah, but um, but it was a great conversation. Mm. How am I handling this newfound fame? Um, you know, it's at the beginning. I feel like my with especially with my Instagram, it's just been an organic, slow mm. growth. Organic, slow and steady growth. Um, I remember when I was approaching like 10,000 followers and mm. I was like, oh my gosh, Junior, <laughs> like, what is happening? People. This yes. is a lot of people. Mm. And um, I think leading up to that, we had done like a couple, you know, couple dances mm. uh, via reels and, and it just got a lot of traction. And so I remember like feeling like, wow, this is a lot of people. And then just getting scared, like, okay, this is a lot mm. of people to share the things that I that I was sharing mm. before mm. with, right? Mm. And what is this? Um, wh what what am I opening up myself to mm. in terms of um, I don't know judgment or mm. backlash or yeah, like I was very aware. I was very aware of the people. Like now, seeing yeah. that number of ten thousand, I was just like. And I remember one time we went to, I think we went to the arena for something. And I'm looking at the arena and I'm just like, Junior, how many people are here? <laughs> I was crazy. like, do you think there's like 10,000 people here? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, probably just about. And I remember looking around and I'm like, 
So this is how many people are like watching me. So yeah, it was it was was very and that was ten thousand, right? So now now we're like ten (laughs) stop. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think I went through that again when um maybe around like fifty. I don't even know because from honestly from like twenty thousand, it just it just it just went. It was Mm. like I was gaining around a thousand every single day. I have no idea where they were coming from. Like, you know, what was happening? There was a couple of reels, funny reels, like just really silly ones of me dancing on the treadmill that, that went viral and almost hit a million views. What? And so I think that's where all the people came from. But it's just interesting because I'm like, okay, you can have a lot of views, but it still takes commitment for someone to be like, oh, this is interesting. Follow, right? And so True. for me, it was just weird. I was like, okay, I understand how this video could go viral because of the audio and mm. I'm just being silly. But now like people are actually choosing to follow me. And so then it was like, okay, why? <laughs> like, yeah. what are they, what are they interested in? So I think I had that fear again. And then, um, and then it kind of made me just more aware of like, okay, so, now I need to I need I need to give them what it is that they're that they what they want for. what they're looking mm-hmm. for right and so what it like what is it that they like on my because my page is like all over the place I I feel like it's all over the place like there's just a lot that I'm sharing and and so I was like uh what is it that they like like what what videos do they want more of I remember one time um doing like a a video I think it was around like marriage like lessons mm-hmm. in marriage and. I was doing like a skincare routine and I'm just like, I don't know if this is going to relate to yeah. some people. But then I was just like, why am I so in my head about this? I I really don't care. Like at the end of the day, I, I was building this community to yeah. talk about these things that I'm really passionate about to be able to encourage people. And that's still what I'm going to do. And the Erica that was feeding, that was like sharing things with 10,000 people is still the Erica that's sharing things with 120,000 people. And I'm not going to focus on what it is that they want or what they're expecting. I'm just going to continue delivering what it is that, you know, my heart wants to do and, and, and where I feel. And I think people are going to come alongside that. And whoever doesn't want to, like, you're welcome yeah, to, to, exactly. to go. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's been lots of emotions of yeah. um, fear, excitement. Um, I think now it's just like, oh, wow, like, where is this going? Uh, I really feel like God has a, a call on my life to, to, to share vulnerably about certain areas of my life um, that I'm still healing in, that I'm still growing in. But to be able to help others, you know, feel seen in, in, in situations that they're in. And I just feel like really called to share the process, like not the finished product, exactly. but the process. Yeah. No, you do it well. You do it from the heart, you know, like as much as you said, like sometimes you feel like your content is all over the place. I feel like yeah, there's a thread of Erica and all of them. Like you're yeah. all these people and like your authentic self, you know, comes through. Thank um, you. So I'm, I'm very glad and happy for you that you now have a platform as much as it, it can come with um, overwhelm and all these, you know, mixed emotions. Yeah. But um, because you're putting so much effort into putting yourself out there, it's even better that, you know, a lot of, a lot more people can experience that. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. Well done. <laughs> so let's dig a little bit into your story. So you grew up in the US. Yeah. I think your conspicuously American accent gives, <laughs> gives it away. Does it really? <laughs> it's funny because my brothers tell me, they're like, you have a little bit of an accent. I'm like, what kind of accent? <laughs> I'm like, you mean my I'm American sure accent's not too. there anymore? <laughs> So they're they're not saying it's reverse. Like I have ah. a bit of a African accent, whatever that is, but yeah. like that I I've like picked up on 
a local accent when very I'm speaking cool. English, which is very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can hear that. Maybe the way you pronounce your T's is oh, yeah? no longer, you know, whatever that means. Yeah. But let's not go into that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just curious, like, how was your experience grow- growing up in the U.S.? Um, is it something you look back to with fond memories? Yeah, I mean, so I was I was born in the U.S. I was born in Denver, Colorado. Hey, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> the Rocky Mountain state. Mountain. Um, so yeah, I think to be honest, like most of my younger formative years and throughout, because I was there throughout university mm-hmm. and then even post university. Um, so a lot of life happened, mm. uh, in the U.S. So I definitely have a lot of, um, fond memories from, you know, with my family and, um, you know, traveling around to different places. My dad was, uh, going to school. And so we were in Colorado and we moved and lived in Illinois. We lived in Virginia for a bit. Wow. Um, and then we moved to actually Kenya, to Nairobi, Kenya. Mm-hmm. And I did two years of elementary school there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we moved back to the States. So um, I do have a lot of fond memories, but I think what stands out the most, like now in my uh, new adult age <laughs> of, um, of, of just being self-aware, finding myself, trying to understand who's Erica, um, I look back on a lot of, you know, what I learned in my younger mm-hmm. years and what shaped me. Um, and I think, uh, you know, in, in the States, I just remember... Um, trying to like i i know that my parents raised us in a way that they made sure we knew like our roots and where Mm -hmm. we're from um so we knew a lot about rwanda we knew our culture um and so that was really ingrained into like our everyday lives um but there was still like this disconnect because it was like i'm living in the states everyone around me is not like we didn't live uh, close to rundans and um, so there was this disconnect in like what I'm hearing, what I'm learning, but then I'm not experiencing mm. that outside of um, our home. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So I think there was a lot of like uh, trying to search and trying to find out where like who do I identify with? as you know a lot of like in schools too like or whether i can't even remember if it was surveys or whatever you're filling out and then there'd be like you know black white uh, i don't even know if it was like black Mm. caucasian i can't even remember Mm. but like african-american and i remember you know when i'd see african-american i'm like okay like what is what does that mean (laughs) yeah for me right because i had other um other black friends in in the u.s that did not consider themselves African, like, Mm -hmm. right? So they didn't have, like, my parents were born, raised, like, spent all their life. So we were first-generation Americans, Mm, right, born in the U.S. And so I saw this difference between me and some of my friends, but then I didn't know, like, what does that mean? I was like, because I'm I'm African because my parents are are from Rwanda. I know that culture, but Mm. then I'm American. I was born here. I don't know the language in Rwanda. I don't know like a lot besides what my parents told me. So I feel like I just had this identity crisis of who, mm. who am I? Where do I fall? Um, and I think that from a young age, like as far as high school, I was always just curious about this other home that I never lived in um, and wanting to know a bit more about it. But, but yeah, in terms of, I mean, the U.S., I love, I love the U.S. My brothers are still there. Um, so it's still very much home. And I think that there are a lot of fond memories. There's a lot of things that I learned. I did my education there. Um, I got my counseling degree um, there as well. And that was also really amazing because I went to school to be a counselor and I was like, I want to help people. 
Um, and then I realized, like, ooh, actually, I need some help. Yeah. <laughs> Like your first year, yeah. <laughs> your first year in counseling mm. is really just like you going through counseling, understanding your family origin, understanding your mm. role in the family. Who mm. are you? And I was like, wow. Like I, th- I thought I was actually mm. pretty good. Like I didn't, I didn't think I had any issues. Or <laughs> yeah, no, that, so, that, yeah. That, that counseling would do that for you, like for sure. Yeah, before you help other people, I think you learn a lot about yourself. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. yeah. But on yeah. that, um, you know, grow, growing up in the U.S. and identity, you know, question. Yeah. Now that you've, let's say, spent some time here, um, I know a lot of people who have lived and spent time in different places. Sometimes they have this feeling of, like, I'm a composite human. I, I'm not fully American. I'm not fully Rwandan. Mm. Or I'm both, I guess. I'm fully American and fully Rwandan. How do you feel about that? Is this something that is a problem is it a a good thing like how do you feel about that aspect of who you are yeah i think when i was younger it was it was a hard thing Mm -hmm. because i felt like i didn't really um fit into either places fully Mm -hmm. um when i was in the states i remember even after we moved back from kenya and we went back to the states and kids are a bit we can be cruel Mm -hmm. and mean you know for anyone that's different and um, I remember being, I, I went back and I did fifth grade um, in the States. And when I moved back, I had a bit of an accent, right? And I I had, I, I was speaking a lot of Swahili, so I was like mixing words and stuff. Mm-hmm. And and kids were really, really mean. And I got bullied. And, mm-hmm. um, and so people were like, oh, like, you know, you sound different. You talk different. Your hair is different. Mm-hmm. And so I was always picked on. But then I remember like when I was, in Kenya also, and I went to American school, but I also felt very different. Like I wasn't like the other, um, you know, uh, local students that were from Kenya, but I didn't fully connect with the Americans that were there as well. And so I was just like, I was just always this oddball. Um, but I think now where I am, I fully embrace both cultures. Um, I really, um, I really fully embrace Erica as Rwandan and I speak the language as much as I can. Some it depends on who I talk to. Some people are like, wow, I'm really impressed with your Kinyaranda. Yeah. They're like, I didn't know you spoke this well, yeah. you know? And then others are like, ah, you're still speaking like that. Yeah. No, but actually but, I am impressed with your Kinyaranda, I have to say. Like I've heard you on the you. phone speaking with uh, people who talk to you fully in Kinyarwanda yeah. and you are conversant. Yeah. Like, so I mean, I that was part of I mean, moving back, I was like, I really want to learn the language. I was very scared of like being laughed at. Yeah. But I realized I had to get over that because I'm just like, I'm not going to learn if I'm just going to be so scared to, yeah. to speak. And so I just need to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but now I feel very much like I embrace both cultures. Yeah, I know that I, a lot of, like I said, my younger years, I was in the US. A lot of that has shaped how I interact with people how i work how i communicate mm-hmm. you know I, I know a lot of times i'm talking to people here and they're like ah if you need a zungu you know this exactly. is stuff from like outside yeah. right and so that to me is like yeah i mean that that's that's also shaped me True. like that's how yeah. i was raised in in, in that society mm-hmm. but then now also being here for nine and a half years there's a lot that i've also learned about our culture here that i really appreciate and that i love and that's embedded into my life Mm. so i think i i embrace both i don't feel like i have to choose one or the other yeah and i think that's the ultimate 
goal, right? To get to a place where you fully embrace who you are. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to feel bad about anything. Yeah. That's who you are. Yeah. Um, what has helped your transition? What would you say has helped your transition? Because you seem to be very, very well integrated in, hmm. you know, the Rwandan community. Yeah. Um, hmm. I think how I am now is not how it was when I first moved here. But I think what helped ultimately is when I moved back to Rwanda, I moved with this agenda of, I just want to go back. I just want to live home. I want to live home. I want to know my country. I want to see what I can contribute. I want to see what I can do. So that, that was it though. That was like as far as my agenda, my expectation was just that. And it was like coming with just openness to just receive and see what happens. Um, and I think that helped to not come with, um, heavy, uh, expectations. Um, because when I came the first year, like I, I had a very hectic job. I was traveling a lot. I was doing construction, which I didn't even, like I had never worked in construction before. And so it was a huge learning curve. And then I'm working with people who uh, speak Kinyaranda, but then I'm also working with other cultures. Mm. And so it was just like, it was just a lot. Like I was just like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, trying to make new friends. So to be honest, the first year is really hard. And I remember saying, I actually committed to, I'm going to move back and I'm going to go for two years. I'm not going to, like, I'm going to make sure I'm parked for two years before I make any decision of whether I'm going to go back to the States. So I remember people were asking me, so how long, like, are you moving back for good? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I was like, but I'm going for two years. Well, what are you going to do? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, but this is just what I'm going to do. So the first year was hard. Second year, I felt like, okay, like I'm, I'm starting to, you know, learn how to how to be in in the society and feel a bit more comfortable learning the language, feeling like it's a bit more home, making it home for me. I think the first year I was always I always felt like I was just not in my home. Yeah. Like I was in another another place, but it was not home. And I was and and my heart was always just like home is back in the in the U.S. Um, home is with my friends there. Home is with my brothers. Um, so yeah, so so it was a bit hard, but. Uh, I think that was I think that was the biggest thing is just like one committing to just being here for two years and then not having like huge expectations. Um, and in that, I just was more open to just receive, to learn, to grow as an individual, learn about myself through all these various different roles that I was in, um, open to meeting new people, meaning like having new friendships, learning more about myself. Um, so I think that's that's what's helped. And over the years, it's just like it's become more and more home. I remember when I gave birth to my daughter, so it was almost four years ago, I went back to the States mm. and I was there for about two and a half months before I gave birth. Mm. And then I stayed for two and a half months after mm. I gave birth. So I was there for almost, for about five months. Um, and I remember when I was there, like I was so excited to go back. Mm. I was going back every year. I was so excited to go back, spend time with my brothers, with my friends. Um, and then after I had Sela, like the, after the first month, I just remember being like, I'm so ready to go yeah. back home. <laughs> oh. And that's what, like, I kept saying that. I was like, I'm ready to go back home. And I think that was when it really hit me, like, Rwanda's more home now, now. Than, than back in the States. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think the takeaway from this, you know, part of your story is, you know, like, for, let's say, people who, I don't know, on the verge of, you know, coming back or, you know, wherever you find yourself in the world, I think life still presents you with this, I don't know, option of embracing it with everything you have yeah. and 
um, making it as as good and as as, as home as you can. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. instead of to me, it's striking me as this is what you you came here as much as um, you had not grown up here. Um, mm-hmm. You still made it your home because it is your home, yeah, right? So yeah. you 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 gave yourself the permission to own your home yeah, yeah. for sure yeah. and you know that saying like home is where the heart is yeah exactly like i wonder like i wonder like it with that saying it's probably not necessarily in in terms of like the place you're in exactly. but it's like home is where the heart mm-hmm. is and so i think we have a choice to make home wherever like wherever we are we can make it home and it's maybe just a choice of what we choose to surround ourselves with exactly. what we choose to make matter mm. so yeah yeah so this also takes me to you know my college dorm days <laughs> where uh you would see you know some students would come to university and they would make that dorm their home mm-hmm. you know like fully decorated and go full out and they're like yeah i'm here for the next i don't know three four months yeah i might as well like make it feel like home and others who are just like, okay, I'm just going to grab my clothes in my suitcase because yeah. at the end of the day, I'm going to go back home like yeah. over Christmas. So there is that thing I've learned over the years that um, if you're spending your time in a certain place, you know, instead of living as though you're transitioning, you might as well yes. embrace it in that time yes. and make it your home until yes. another home, you know, presents itself to you. That's a, that's a great, that's a great way to present it. Mm. I think that's, that's, the way you said it is like what I thought I was doing by saying, I'm not going to go and have any expectations. Mm, exactly. Right. Or feel like I'm just here for a bit and then I'm going to go mm, back. Mm. Um, but like you said, yeah, that's, that was a great way. Good. Presenting it. I love it. Okay. So moving on to your father, Dr. Lohan Banda is a religious leader, but to me, he strikes me as a brilliant business leader. Who's, mm. who's really helping the Anglican church of Rwanda develop projects for a financially sustainable future and doing it at a pace that I have never witnessed in our community before. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like um, him stepping into that role, you can already see a lot of evidence of, you know, his brilliance and yeah. business mind. Um, so my question to you is, what does it feel like, you know, to grow up with parents who set such high standards? Mm-hmm. Um, and what have you learned from him more specifically? Yeah. You know, now um, it feels really good. Mm-hmm. It feels really good to be associated with my father because I look at him and I admire him so much. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, the the work that he does, he's very intentional. He does things with excellence. Um, I think when I look back at growing up, mm-hmm. it could feel like pressure. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. how could I ever, you know? Um, and for me, like I always wanted to to make my parents proud um and so i think i put a lot of pressure on myself because what i saw them doing and how they were doing it um but now as i'm older i realize that you learn as you go like Mm -hmm. i am completely different than when i was 15 and 20 um and my standards have changed and the way i do things have changed but it's because i've learned through experiences i've learned from people and my dad used to share all these stories with us when we were younger um and i think that 
you know, to be honest, it feels kind of sad. Like we didn't appreciate it as much because mm. we're just like, okay, these are stories, and he's teaching us these powerful lessons. Rolling you know, eyes. yeah, he's teaching us these powerful lessons of, you know, when I got my first job, this is what I was paid, and I had to work really hard and not expect like just a promotion, and you know, really prove myself. And then so and so came and helped me how to save and you know how to make investments. And so we we're listening to that. We're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Let us just have mm. fun. Like we're yeah. kids, <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, and now I'm just like, wow, you know, he was teaching us some really powerful things and some things that really stuck with me and things that I see myself doing naturally, Good. but it's because he, he really, um, he really, uh, shaped us from, from a young age and those things were very much ingrained. So it does feel good to, um, you know, to associate myself with my father and someone that has very high standards. I think, um, one of the questions you ask is what have I specifically learned from him? I think it's been um, intentionality, like being really mm-hmm. intentional. You know, whatever job you have, my dad was a janitor, you mm-hmm. know, in, in university just to be able to make money for, for him and my mom um, before they had kids. And he's always like, no matter what role you're placed into, like do it with excellence. Mm. Like you be the best janitor that there mm. is, right? It's not like, okay, I'm just a janitor. Like this isn't really a great job. Let me just work really hard, make some money so I can just go to the next step. Mm. But it was always like, there's always something to learn in every single season and every role that you're playing in. And that really stuck with me. Mm. It's like, I've realized that even for me, it's like I need to be intentional in every season that I'm in, not try to look ahead to the next season, but just really look at what is it that I'm meant to learn, how I'm meant to grow, and that's going to actually propel me into the next season. And I think, I don't even know if I really shared this with my dad, yeah. but I feel like that's <laughs> something that I really um, admired about him. And then second is just his courage. Like, he is a courageous man. Yeah. And I think that his courage stems from um, his faith. Mm. He is rooted. Mm-hmm. Um, he loves the Lord. He is guided by the Lord. And so he does things with courage because mm. of his conviction of, like, I believe this is what God has for me. Yeah. And and that courage takes him in places where people might not agree with him. Mm. People might think, oh, you know, you're doing things the wrong way. Um, I wouldn't do it like this. Or maybe not everyone aligns with, with what he wants to do. Um, but he does it with courage and conviction. And what comes on the other side is just fruits. Yes. Like, and people see that. Absolutely. You know, people are like, wow. Absolutely. He is making things happen. Absolutely. Um, but it's just amazing because yeah. like he does it because of courage. He does it with his conviction, his faith. Um, and it's not, it's nothing he does is, is for him. Like yeah. he's always doing it for God's glory yeah. or his family. And I just, I just love that he does things with a strength and a courage that is so fierce. Yes. And yet he has so much humility. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And gentleness yeah. with how he does things. So. Yes. No, I have witnessed yeah. it from afar, you know, so I can only imagine you witnessing it, you know, very closely. Yeah. Like what you say of, you know, execution for sure, mm-hmm. leadership for sure, you know, courage. Um, yeah, and always, you know, just having a vision really yeah. of how he wants, let's say, to transform a place and like going after it. Yeah. Um, and what you were saying about, you know, doing every job with excellence, it made me think of, do you know this Martin Luther King quote? of i I will read it actually Mm -hmm. i had to quickly look it up so it says like if a man is called to be a street sweeper he should sweep streets even as michelangelo painted or beethoven composed music or you know shakespeare wrote poetry 
Um, but the whole thing about that quote is like, if you find yourself, you know, cleaning a place or whatever job you find yourself in, mm-hmm. do it with, you know, so much excellence as though you were, you know, Michelangelo. Like, take yeah. your job very seriously. Yeah. You know, absolutely. the same way you would um, take your dream job, for example, seriously. Yeah. So I really love that. All right. So another thing I, I want to ask you about is. Um, you strike me as one of those people who are always doing a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, this also makes me chuckle because I feel like I'm the same way. Yeah. <laughs> we about I'm this like, wow, what are you again? What are you doing again? So yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like that, you know, so in, in the, in your working experience in Rwanda more specifically, you know, you've worked in every imaginable sector, you know, construction, <laughs> renewable energy, yeah. youth learning programs, content creation, uh, entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, how do you manage all of that? <laughs> yeah. And are you one of those people who can and, you know, is always doing a lot of things? Is yeah. that like, have you embraced that yeah. know, part, part of yourself? great the million dollar question is how do you manage all of that Mm. and the million dollar answer is i don't (laughs) (laughs) i i don't think it's possible to manage everything equally and uh, and Mm. in the best way um but to your second point i think that i've always been the type that that um i just like to do a lot of things Mm -hmm. a lot of different things i like learning i like growing i've never i think even from a young age like i've just always been curious to like learn a new skill or do something different um and so i think that's just how i'm wired that's how i'm built um and if it's something that i'm curious about or someone presents an opportunity and then i find that i'm enjoying it and i'm learning something from it then i'll do it mm-hmm. which is why my cv is just kind of all over the place mm-hmm. you know like i've done h I, I went to school for psychology and sociology did some counseling then i went into marketing i was like oh i really enjoy this donor relations i like working with people um, went into hr <laughs> went into construction so i've been in like so many different things and i've learned new skills but i think a common theme and all of that is I just enjoy working with people. Mm. I like learning about people. I like interacting with different people and, and trying to understand people. And so I think that's, and, and that's like my psychology background counseling, you know, now I'm a coach, even in entrepreneurship, like everything that I've done is centered around people and building people. Um, so yeah, but definitely, I mean, I, think i get bored easily and yes. i want to you know <laughs> if, if i have the choice do one thing or do 10 things i'll be like i'll do mm, 10 things yes. no, absolutely. <laughs> but it's also mm. like the source of my stress because i think it it causes like you have to be very diligent about yes. being organized about being about prioritizing um understanding uh you know what's really important at this time like what what if i drop is gonna break and i need to make sure i don't neglect that and what are the other things that maybe can take you know a back seat um so but yeah i think i definitely like to tackle many things and and people have always you know can either look at it from a positive like wow like you really have a lot of ambition this is great this is beautiful this is amazing and then you know another side um, which I've also gotten is like, okay, you, you're tackling way too many things and you're not going to do any of them good. You're just going to, exactly. you know, but um, I think, yes, there could be some truth in that, but I think it's also just uh, channeling it. That doesn't mean that I have to just stick onto one thing. And I feel like I've never really wanted to be boxed in 
to want things. So yeah. when people ask, what do you like? Like, yeah, I, I like working out. Yes, I like home decor and interior exactly. stuff. Yes, I like... Uh, you know, motherhood and, and with my kids, I, I also really love entrepreneurship now and learning about that. And, you know, and so I find myself like I'm taking accounting courses because mm. I want to learn how to build my financials for my business. So I just, yeah, I, yeah. I enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, I relate to that 100%. Um, I've just, you know, concluded that there are people who get satisfaction from one thing. And for them, like that one thing is their source of satisfaction. Yeah. There are others like you and me. Yes. Who, like our satisfaction comes from this, you know, from five different things or 10 different things. Yeah. Um, we just have to learn to manage it. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of being wired that way, I think that's something that you can't really do much about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. Good. So let's zoom in on Erica, the life coach. You're a life coach and you help people get unstuck. What is that process usually like? You know, where do you get started when, you know, someone does not know, you know, how and where to start? Yeah. Um, so I, I believe that we all go through transitions. Um, all of us, you know, like as we're, we're children, then we go to high school and then in high school we're now trying to figure out what we want to do with our life and we go to college and we have to find a degree and then we need to find our first job mm -hmm. and whatever we're getting married we're having kids and so i just feel like life like takes us through different transitions and in those transitions um we sometimes are faced with having to make really tough decisions and I, I know for myself, like I always relied on again, because like my parents are so like crucial in my life and I value their opinion and their wisdom. Um, a lot of times when I had to face tough decisions, it was always, you know, I'd usually, it was interesting. I'd run to my mom for like the emotional aspects of it, you know, yeah. like, oh, this is really scary and blah, blah, blah. And we just have to talk through that and she would give me room for that. And then I go to my dad and just be like, okay, what do I need to do? Mm. You know, and just looking, looking to him to like give me that answer. Mm. Um, and I think that was always the easy, easy way for me or even, you know, with my friends, like, okay, this is what's happening. Like, what should I do? I don't think there's anything wrong with going to people for advice and getting a sense of direction or, or hearing, um, some wisdom from them. But I think ultimately we have to make the decision mm. because we have to be accountable to that decision. Mm, it can't true. be. Mm. Oh, my dad told me to take this job. Now I'm in this job and I hate it. And so dad, like you steered me the wrong way. And it's like, no, like, okay, he told you that, but you still had to make the decision exactly. of whether you're going to do it or not. Mm. So I think for me, like going through life, I just realized how, um, as I was older, like I just didn't know how to navigate. How do I make these decisions? Mm. <laughs> you know, like, mm. I feel like I just want someone to be like, do this or do that. Um, and, and so, you know, when I, when I, again, during COVID, I went to go get my coaching certificate. And at that time I thought, I really want to learn these principles so that I can help in building my team. I was working for Youth Employment Accelerator and I really wanted to think of how can I coach and build my team um, to be more effective in their work, to know themselves, um, understand barriers, all of those things. And so that was really the purpose of it. And when I went through that, I just, it, ro it rocked my world. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> All right, I'm applying these principles to myself. Like yeah. this is actually really helping me answer some really tough uh, questions about myself and what I want to do and what brings me joy. And, um, you know, do I feel fulfilled? Am I happy? You know, I had gone through like a, a huge, um, you know, postpartum yeah. with my daughter. 
And so I was just kind of in this transition again of like, I'm now a mom. I love my daughter and everything, every part of me is just being like poured into my daughter, mm. right? And I just felt like I am responsible for this little girl and I need to make sure that she has the best life possible, that I don't mess this up, I don't ruin her. Mm. And so it was like all my energy just went into just giving her everything. But what happened in that process is I was forgetting about Erica. And mm. so later on, it's like, wow, like I, I'm completely empty. Like mm. I have nothing else to give. And yet you feel like, but I need to keep giving. And then you have this guilt. And so you just keep giving from this like drained part of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the coaching really helped me just explore and navigate through a lot of things that I was going through, um, which was so powerful. And so that takes me back to now. Um, I think my focus as a coach and I was always just trying to figure out like where where do I want to focus in on and again it was like okay where have I been most impacted and I think it's been in the areas that I've been stuck Mm. in transitions where I have to make a decision where I have to explore what it is that I want or what I should do and no one can tell me yes they can tell me what to do but I have to make the decision I have to be accountable to it so that if if it's the wrong decision I pivot if it's the right decision great I celebrate and I keep going Um, But I want to empower people to be able to make those transitions in life on their Mm -hmm. own. I want to empower them that have the tools that they that they that they can go through this themselves. And I think that's what's so powerful for me about coaching is it's not it's not coaching in the sense. I think people sometimes will hear coaching and they think like a basketball coach or a sports coach. So I think the interesting thing with coaching is when people think about coaching, they, you know, um, they probably think that they're going to go see a coach and the coach is going to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. But it's completely opposite. Like, actually, the coach is the one who's doing most of the talking. The coach's role is to provide that space to ask thought-provoking questions that are going to help the coachee arrive to the destination. Now, the coachee is the one who is bringing the solutions, who is saying the different various steps that they need to do, but the coach is helping guide them through that. But I'm not giving you answers. I'm not telling you what it is that you need to do. Um, And I think that that's so powerful because it actually um, makes you feel empowered to actually do this thing, to make this decision because you've really walked through all the different steps. You really understand the barriers. You understand your limits. You understand the support system that you need to help you get through this. And so when you come up with the answer or the solution or the direction that you need to go, you're so confident that this is, like I've come up with this on my own and this feels like the right direction to go. It doesn't mean that you have to have the perfect answer. You can you can pivot, you can change, but I think that's where all the ownership goes onto the coachee and it's not like I'm telling you, you need to do X, Y, Z to fix your life. Um, I think no one knows you better than you, but some people just need help to try to understand the you better. Mm. And I feel like in that sense, you can commit to it because it's something that you've come up with yourself. 100%, yeah. Um, and also something else that came to mind as you were speaking is that, you know, being stuck is not necessarily not having an answer. Mm. It's like you are, you have an answer, but you haven't gotten to it, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So what you're doing, so when someone says, okay, I'm stuck, it's not necessarily because I, I, I'm out of answers. You have them, but that support can help you get to those answers. Yeah, exactly. It's like playing a, a game and you're stuck at point A. Yeah, for <laughs> Someone sure. Someone comes and says, okay, you know what? You can still arrive at the destination. Yeah. 
let me support you to get there. That's yeah, really cool. I, yeah. might, I might need to come for my, some coaching myself. Yes, come on, sister. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in your content creation, you know, you are a huge advocate for vulnerability. Why is that important to you? It is very important to me because I feel like it shapes the person that I am today. I feel like um, really, truly understanding yourself and how you are shaped, how you're wired, how you've been influenced um, is is really you just getting vulnerable with yourself. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that for so many years, I was, um, I don't know, maybe... I think I did. I don't know if like I didn't like Erica or I just didn't know Erica. And then any kind, any time like things would come up, like I was ever since I can remember, like I've been an emotional person, like always crying. And and I know that like people have told me like, oh, but you're, you always cry, like you're too emotional, you're too this. And so sometimes like those things just stick with you, yeah. and you're like, huh, I'm too emotional. Like okay, too emotional equals bad. Like yeah. that's not that's not good. Like don't be emotional. Um, or yeah, like don't, don't act like this. So I was, I was like a people pleaser, you know? Okay. Like how do people need me to act? And that's what I'm going to do. So I was just really good at always presenting myself in an acceptable manner for people. Mm. Um, and I think when I got older, I just realized, but like, I don't really want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> like this isn't, tiring. this doesn't feel like me. It's exhausting. I don't like it, but I'm not sure who, who the me is like, I don't know how to peel back these layers. And so, um, you know, I think there was a lot of vulnerability in going to therapy and just trying to understand, like, uh, I feel like I'm really emotional and I think that's a bad thing and I need I need to fix that. And then, you know, the therapist being like, why do you need to fix that? Where Where is this coming from? Why are you emotional? And like peeling back those layers and I was just like, oh, like this feels too deep. This doesn't feel really good, not comfortable. But it helped me understand myself better and it helped me realize this isn't a bad thing. Yeah. It can be used in a bad way, um, just like anything. Like yeah. any good thing can be done in, in, a, in a bad way, you know, if you don't understand it or know how to use it. Um, and so I think it's it's really helped me um, to, to understand myself better. Um, and so it's being vulnerable with myself, but then now being vulnerable with somebody else. I think in relationships, we are made for relationships. We're made for connection. How can you really connect with someone if you can't really be yourself? How, how can you have true meaningful connection? I think meaningful connection is not so much for the other person. Like I can sit here and be like, yeah, I want to connect with you, Anazi, because I want you to feel like this relationship is meaningful for you. But if like, if I'm just focused on it being meaningful for you, like, what does that mean for me? Yeah, like, exactly. is it, is, is this a friendship that's feeding me? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's, it's, it's showing parts of yourself feeling like you could just be real with somebody. Mm-hmm. And there's some kind of freedom in that. And so, yeah, I just feel like I feel much lighter. I feel like I'm on this journey of learning even more about myself. I haven't arrived. I'm still learning about myself. But I think there's a lot of power and vulnerability. And I think that it's been used in just a bad way of like, well, don't share because of this. And maybe fear of judgment or fear of what people are going to think. Um, but th- that's, that's part of the problem. That's what's driving us exactly. to actually do things for other people and not not so much for ourselves. Again, I think we still need to live in society. We still need to behave 
you know, acceptable. There's still rules and laws and, you know, like what you should do. I can't just be like, I feel like I just want to speed and not be accountable. And I just go out on the roads and I'm like causing mayhem. I, there's laws around that. So, um, there are those things, but I think, I think it's really just understanding yourself and why you do things Mm. the way you do them and, um, what, what makes you happy. And so I'm a huge advocate for vulnerability. I want to take away, um, the stigma that that's bad, um, that you're too emotional, you're too much. Um, you don't share these things because that's just not acceptable in our culture. And like, like what, like why does me sharing about hardships in my life, like who are you to tell me that's not acceptable for our society? I don't understand. Like, why is that? Why is that? Um, why is that hurting you? And I think what it, what it's actually doing is it's opening up people's eyes into like, wow, like how are they able to do that and I can't? Or like there, there's something else there because I don't understand. This is It's my life. I'm the one that's sharing this. It's, in fact, it's impacting me. If we look at the negative ways, if I focus on that, it's impacting me more than it is you. So I don't understand why it's, yeah, it's so it's a problem on yeah. your side. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, two things on that. Um, as you were saying about, talking about vulnerability being um, a requirement almost on, you know, for close relationships. Like you can't really get Mm. close to someone without them being vulnerable and you being vulnerable. It made me think of what my mentor always tells me Mm. about vulnerable. Oh, I can't even say this word. It's such a hard word. I know, right? Vulnerability. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So she says like intimacy, like the other way of thinking about intimacy is like into me see like mm. you seeing into me you know yeah and i think with vulnerability as well it's like by me allowing you to see me you know for who i truly am yeah. we can get more closer yeah um another point i want to bring up is though you know i think vulnerability sometimes is also misconstrued to be about specific things and specific mm-hmm. topics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah yeah and i don't think it, it should be about the content of let's say of what we are sharing like it yeah. shouldn't be about sobby stories yeah. or just hard things it can just be as long as the the sharer is feeling some form of i don't know nakedness or openness i think that can still be i don't know a vulnerable experience 100 yeah, yeah. I, I, i've for example met people who like wealthy people who feel bad for their wealth mm. you know so them embracing that um, it is what it is yeah like, <laughs> yeah like I, yeah i can be responsible with my wealth yeah but i shouldn't hide myself because let's say society judges yes you know, wealthy people yes or, yeah people who feel bad for being very brilliant like oh i should exactly not yes. use big words you yes. know yeah so you should being mindful of other people yes but showing up as, as who you are even yes. embracing the good parts of you yes um that sometimes also requires vulnerability yeah yeah 100 i'm yeah. so glad you said that because yeah. i think vulnerability can it, it is personal yeah. you know there isn't one way of doing mm. vulnerability mm. And the way, and, and in me sharing that I'm an advocate for vulnerability and I want people to be vulnerable, mm. I'm not saying be vulnerable like Erica's vulnerable. Yeah, no. Exactly. Like you find your own truth, be authentic mm. and genuine to you, mm. you know, and, and if you feel right about it, like that, that's it. Mm, 
exactly. right? But if you feel like, oh, because other people, that like that's where maybe there could be some tension. But yeah. I'm so glad you said that yeah. point because it's yeah. it's it's very important. I think people yeah. really really need to hear that. Yeah. You know, vulnerability is, is 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 personal to you. There isn't one right way, a wrong yeah. way of doing it. Yeah. Um, I think people can ask themselves that question: Do I yeah. feel like? I'm being yeah. true to myself. And be wise. And like, don't do things you're not ready for. Just, exactly. You shouldn't feel obligated. It's an invitation to like, show up. 100%. Yeah. In a yeah. certain way. Yeah. Love that. Good. So, let's talk about courage. I'm a, also huge. Advocate is not a word for me yet. But, I'll, you know, I love courage. Um, mm. And I think... What do you mean? You're not... A, you you <laughs> stepped out with this podcast. That's some courage there, sister. Yes. Uh, but I feel like, you know, it's it's a broader concept than vulnerability. I think, you know, it requires yeah. vulnerability, but it's 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 also involves action and, yeah. you know, getting past your fears. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the reasons I talk about courage a lot is because most of my life's dissatisfaction have come from the lack of it. Mm. And most of my, you know, joy and confidence and things that I look back to with pride have come from, you know, the times when I've had courage, when I've had fear and, you know, conquered it. Um, and I'm curious to know, like, what do you tell yourself when you're afraid, you know, that helps you become courageous? Mm. First of all, what you just said is very, very powerful. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to have to reflect on that um, some more when I re-listen to this yeah. <laughs> <What if laughs> podcast. What it airs. <laughs> Um, gosh, what do I, how, so the question, how do I, how am I courageous when I'm feeling fear? Yeah, scared. Like, scared. If you, you, yeah. let's say you have an idea you want to bring in, into the world and you're yeah. really excited about it, but then all these things start creeping in. Like, yeah. America, what are you going to, you know, how dare you? Yeah. Like, what do you, how do you come out of that situation? I think what I used to do was ignore it push it down i shouldn't be feeling this way i shouldn't mm. be feeling this i shouldn't it's just trying to get myself out of feeling mm. that um ignoring it and maybe still pressing forward um i think i think now is i just acknowledge fear it's mm. like yeah i am i am scared yeah i am insecure yeah i'm afraid of maybe putting this out there and it not being perfect and people you know wondering about it or um so i think it's i think the first step for me is acknowledging the fear, um, which also doesn't maybe give mm. it so much power, because when I when I try to ignore it, it's still there, mm. and then I step out in courageously. I think I'm courageous, but actually every action and everything that I'm doing is from a standpoint of fear. Like I'm scared, and so that informs like how I act. Mm. And so yes, I might be taking the bold step of putting out my YouTube channel, for instance, mm. but if I'm still fearful and i haven't acknowledged those fears i think it'll come out maybe in my work and yeah. how i put things out there so i think for me is i need to acknowledge the fear i need to understand how it's impacting me so is this fear preventing me from taking this step is this fear um make me not fully show up as myself is it making me try to minimize you know like sometimes also like when mm -hmm. you are successful and you're doing things well you want to minimize that because you're just like oh, i don't want to bring all the attention to exactly. myself and boast mm -hmm. um so i'll just minimize it a bit but that's actually like a lot of times that i've done that is because of fear yes. <laughs> fear of what it'll Absolutely. look like yeah. um so yeah i think it's a it's it's one acknowledging that fear and then talking it out i need to talk it out and not rush myself because mm -hmm. I mean, we both talked about how long it took yes. us to start the podcast, uh -huh. start the YouTube, right? <laughs> yeah. um, there was a lot of fear there. We had to go through that. 
Um, and then when the time came, we took that courageous step. Um, and then when you take that step, you're like, Ooh, okay. Like yeah. it's, it's not, not that bad, bad on the other side, yes. but that doesn't discount the real feelings that were, mm-hmm. um, on the other side. So it's, it's a tough question because I don't think there's a, a formula. There's times yeah. where I feel fear and I think I can, um, I, I can, I can capture what that fear is. And then just say, okay, Erica, like you're just being in your head. Like, just do it. And then I do it. Yeah. And there's other times where I sit with that for like months, <laughs> you know, and there's times where I need to go to therapy and talk it through. Um, so there's not one formula, but I think the, the best thing is not giving it power by ignoring it or feeling bad for feeling yeah, the fear. Exactly. I really love that, Erica. You know, like befriending your fear, um, not ignoring it or feeling bad about it. Um, I think that's a very like helpful technique i guess or approach mm. um i know like when i'm doing like these meditations they say like you know notice your thoughts instead of like fighting them like oh i shouldn't mm-hmm. be thinking this you know like just notice them like the same way you just be on the side of the road like seeing cars pass by yeah you know, and say like oh that's mr fear there like hi what's up you yeah. know like <laughs> um let it pass on by <laughs> let him pass by you know acknowledge that he visits you more frequently than you would like yeah but, you know <laughs> don't fight him or like wish he wasn't there like it's just a part of life but we just you know become better at, at managing these things yeah um so how do you relate uh confidence issues with perfectionism issues mm-hmm. mm. um oof, confidence with perfectionism yeah because there is there is a thing there right of of how you see yourself or how you want to be seen that sometimes mm-hmm. that, you know drives people to strive to be perfect or mm-hmm. otherwise you know yeah. life will fall apart i think yeah i think that when um when i look at myself i think that in the times that i've been um most like insecure or mm-hmm. doubted my i think confidence is like the the op the opposite (laughs) the other side of confidence is Mm -hmm. like doubting your ability Mm -hmm. i guess um and so when i don't feel very confident in my ability to deliver something i will focus on making sure that it is perfect Mm -hmm. because i don't want anyone to see any Mm -hmm. kind of loopholes or entryway into like oh you forgot this oh you didn't do this um and i i think that's where like perfectionism perfectionism Mm -hmm. um is is like i'm gonna try to put out this perfect image or perfect product so that Mm. no one can pick it apart and show me how i didn't do something Mm. right um and a lot of it too for me personally is because what it is that i'm doing whether it's making a cupcake for someone and making sure it's perfect it's like if the icing wasn't swirled on there like perfect and it looks really nice it's like somehow that is saying something about me erica right (laughs) like now i'm a failure Mm -hmm. now i can't do this right and yet like we have to separate the what we're doing what we're putting out there and like who we are Mm -hmm. like that that does not define who we are Mm -hmm. But when we look at it from a lens of like these things define me as a person, then we're going to want to strive for this perfection, which is not even real. Like it actually, you know, will probably inhibit us from from doing even greater things. I think it's until I was able to let go of things don't have to be perfect is when I started something I learned I would change and I would grow Mm. 
And I wouldn't be where I am now if I was still waiting for things to be perfect. Mm, Like I wouldn't have the growth that I have. So I think perfectionism is something that we need to throw out the window. There's a difference between making something perfect or having high standards. I believe that I have high standards and Mm. I want to prep and prepare and make sure that I put 110%. But I also realize like at some point you need to put things out there and it's not going to be perfect. But that's where you learn. Yeah. Yeah. I think it goes back to the identity topic right because having high standards is saying okay i can i'm doing this cupcake this way today i want it to be better and i'm working on that skill yeah but it has nothing to do with me yes the person and i think perfectionism is is you the person thinking like if i have a typo in my email it means i'm not smart and then you really take it too far you know and it, it can prevent us from growing because every feedback that you get it's a personal attack yeah to you know, this idea that you've built of yourself. Yeah. Um, so it goes back to kind of having our identities firmly rooted. Yes. I mean, that's a journey in its on its own. Yeah. Maybe in future podcasts, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, I love how you said that, though. Yes. Beautifully said. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Ditto. Ditto. <laughs> what she said. <laughs> I changed my answer. <laughs> yes. So I want to talk a little bit about you know something else that i also know that you're very passionate about you know which is marriage and motherhood mm-hmm. you know i can relate to neither of those topics yet <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> but what have they taught you um and another question regarding that is like how does that go from becoming something that you are just a part of you know i'm just married i'm the, and just a mom you know to something that you want to truly champion you know, does that stem from a problem you've observed in our society? Um, where you're very passionate about this too? Yeah, I think they they both of those roles have been two roles that have uh, very much taught me a lot about myself, a lot more about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much about marriage that has taught me about how I connect with people, how I, um, how I how I receive love, how I want to be loved. Um, and none of that could have happened if I was if I wasn't in this relationship with mm. with Junior, my husband. Yeah. Um, and so I think the reason why I am such a huge advocate for it, I, I really just believe that in how we are in relationship, like like how we show up impacts the relationship, mm. um, both in my marriage, also with my kids. Um, and I think that's also been part of the journey of just me unpacking and learning more about myself. Um, what is my love style? How does my upbringing inform what I bring into this marriage? What are some traumas maybe that I have subconsciously or unsubconsciously that, is that, is that the word? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Subconsciously. Subconsciously, um, you know, that's, that, that I haven't, I, I don't know, I, that I'm not aware of, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like, you know, in, in both marriage, I think, well, I think more in marriage. Marriage is really like just a, a mirror. Mm-hmm. You look at your partner, but it's like a mirror back at you. Yeah. <laughs> so you get in fights and you're like, well, you, 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 you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but there's a mirror there that's just glaring at you with like all your baggage and all of all of the ways that you don't show up very well either and our pride and our ego can get in the way and we don't want to address that and it's just easy to point the blame on the other person and i think in in our marriage we've really 
gone back to like, okay, let's look at this mirror Mm -hmm. and let's, let's address this mirror and what is there. And that's brought so much um, meaningful connection between the two of us understanding for each other. Mm. Um, You you don't want to change each other Mm. per se, but Mm. it's like, learning to love like wow okay i understand you more now because of all these things like it's not that i I want you to change to be like this but like Mm -hmm. i understand now why you are the way that you are because of this but then now you get to have some beautiful conversations around like but these are things that i really would like to work on Mm -hmm. so i can be better and you can help each other through that Mm -hmm. um so i think again it's taught me a lot about myself i've seen so much beauty out of it i've grown i feel like there's areas that I'm so much better and it's because of marriage it's Mm. because of my husband um and same goes for my kids um you know I think again how I'm going to parent my children is going to be out of who I am my what my values are what I believe um but then also my dramas and how I've been impacted will come out and how and how I parent them and I just want to be really aware of that and mm. and and know what i'm passing off to them and and why and how um not forgetting or losing myself in any of those roles so mm. still being true to who erica is knowing that yes i am a wife and yes i am a mother but i'm still erica and if erica doesn't feed and fill erica i cannot be a good wife and i cannot be a good mother mm. um and so not neglecting myself but yeah yeah mm. i love what you said about you know, not wanting to change the other person, like, you know, loving, mm-hmm. loving your partner without a certain agenda, which is, which is very hard. It is not you know, easy. Because we are <laughs> controlling beings. Easy. You're like, mm, why are you like that? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure. And it's a continuous learning. I don't yeah. think you, you do it once and you reach, like, it's like a daily choice yeah. and, and you do it forever. Yeah. <laughs> no, it definitely takes work. Um, and it sounds like you're doing the work. Which is we are trying fantastic. for sure. Yeah. All right. So to end, um, curious to know, you know, what would you tell fifteen-year-old Erica? You know, you know who that person was, uh, what she was going through. Now that you know what you know now, you know, what would you tell Erica? And then another question. You know, you have a daughter um, and a son. You know, like if you envision their fifteen-year-old selves. Really using 15 as a random number. It could be like they're, you know, those younger years. Um, what would you tell them? I get, <laughs> I, I was just getting a bit emotional. Um, I think that there's been a lot of growth <laughs> in me. Mm-hmm. Um, as an individual, but I think the 15, when I, when I look back to the 15 year old Erica, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good. Like I was, I think I was, I was a good girl. (laughs) I was loving. I loved people. Um, I wanted to do the right things. So to everyone looking like it just looked like, I don't know. I was a perfect child. (laughs) And, but Looking back at that, Erica, I think that I didn't accept myself. Mm-hmm. I was always comparing myself to others. Mm-hmm. I always wished to be like other people. Mm. I was trying to talk like other people. I was mm. trying to dress like others. And um, I think 
I was just trying to find myself. And I think that I had a, such a low self-esteem. Um, so, yeah, I think the younger Erica is like, it's okay. Like, you are enough. You are beautiful. You are smart. You have a purpose. Um, you can make impact. Stop looking at other people. <laughs> yeah. Stop looking at other people. Mm. Be you because the world needs you. Mm. Um, and I'm seeing that playing out now. Like it's mm. it's crazy how that Erica at 15 was so afraid to show herself because I didn't think I would be liked. Mm. And now I'm on a journey of just fully accepting myself at some points not even caring about what other people are going to say or do because I put things out there that are hard mm -hmm. and people are like, why are mm -hmm. you doing this? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm being liked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> people want the real Erica. People exactly. want the authentic Erica. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just beautiful. It's another way of God just showing me like, I have created you huh. this way with these gifts. And, um, and I need you to show the world you because that's where the power is, mm. is you, not in trying to be someone else. So, yeah, sorry. Mm. Um, I didn't think that would bring up so much emotion. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you for that. Yeah. yeah, and what I would tell other 15-year-olds, I mean, now I, I just look at, like, I have a daughter. She's four. Mm. Um, I look at other young girls and I think I just, I think it's the same thing. Again, I don't, I don't know where they are, what they're struggling with. Um, but it's just more of like your experiences don't define you. Um, your hurts don't define you. What's been done to you does not define you. The family you grew up in does not define you. Like there's just so many things that we just attach onto ourselves and we say, okay, this is me. Like that's it. But there's just so much more. And I just want people to, have confidence to know themselves to accept themselves to love themselves and it's so beautiful because when you go on that journey again i think i don't regret what i've gone through mm -hmm. it's really informed and shaped me but i think that you know for for other young people and me sharing this is more just to i don't know you don't have to go for 10 years <laughs> you know like this and then you know, be in your 30s and just realize, oh, like, there is another way. You know, if if, if I've experienced another way, like, I want to share that with you now so that you can be 15 and just living yes. this full life. Um, so that's what I would say. I yeah. love that. I love Z, look at you. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I love Ooh. that. And I really don't want to add anything else to that. I think, yeah, accept yourself as soon as you can or as mm -hmm. early as you can. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we are done. Erica, you are a beautiful person. I really have to say that. Physically, of course, you're gorgeous. I mean, for those who cannot see her, she's in the studio with her full-blown afro. <laughs> you're physically beautiful, but your heart is even more beautiful. You know, I really enjoyed interacting with you. Um, I like how you are going about your life, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, uh, being honest about everything, um, keeping in mind the big picture, you know, I think I, I feel like you're pursuing your purpose. Um, mm. You kind of fall and 
stand and fight back. You know, like mm. I feel like you haven't grown jaded and cynical, uh, mm. which sometimes I find um, a lot of people, you know, with that kind of hardened attitude, which I, I, don't, mm. I don't see that with you. So I think you're very refreshing to interact with and mm. um, someone worth knowing. Mm. So I'm very glad that you graced my podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, thank you folks. Uh, until next time, take care and go give Erica some love. Oh, where can people find you, by oh. the way? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh wow, this is you could find me on Instagram. <laughs> all platforms. At, <laughs> at all platforms coming to you now. So Instagram, I think all my handles are the same. So Erica Banda. So yes. E-R-I-C-A-M-B-A-N-D-A. Um on Instagram. Uh on YouTube mm-hmm. and re- I'm afraid to say Twitter because well, I've been Twitters. a ghost on Twitter but <laughs> um, I think I kind of reactivated Twitter so I still don't know what I'll be doing with that mm. but yeah those are my social media platforms and also I mean plug from Katina Butta because that's my, my, my little baby yes. uh, we have a cafe in Kachiro so if you're into all things sweets mm-hmm. and great coffee love to have you there those cookies mm. You'll thank me later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. <All> right. <laughs> Bye, guys.